0: create a flipping business. I'm not talking about do like three flips a year, two flips a year. If you want to create a flipping business where you're doing, you know, 20 flips or more a year, a hundred flips a year, you can do it. You just have to really systematize it. Hello and welcome to Pillars Wealth Creation where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, on these hump day hustles, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I'm having an awesome day. How are you doing, Todd?
0: I am doing fantastic, man. Doing fantastic. Um, so anything new? Do we need to take on?
1: Well, I got a word back from my uh, editor that it looks like about mid-October or so will be when my book is released. Uh, All right. So I'm excited. Finally. Finally, That's awesome.
0: yeah. That's exciting. That's good stuff. So yeah, man. Uh, well, for me, I mean, we've got the North Star Real Estate Conference coming up. So it's mm-hmm. getting excited about that. We... What we're like four weeks away or something like that. Uh October twenty third, twenty fourth. So maybe not even. Um it's man, it's it's like coming down. We've got some amazing speakers and really just kind of teeing up that uh final uh, agenda, you know, who's speaking and when and uh and then I'm I'm hoping that we can throw in a couple more panels in there to be able to uh to be able to add a, a few other you know people that that'll do really good so we've got some amazing people coming it's it's really cool
1: yeah i mean i think excited for it there's tremendous value i mean the the speakers that way. have we got michael blanc uh adam adams brandon turner Brent from bigger McGregor- pockets yeah
0: driver mcgregor um yeah a lot of great speakers so it's it's exciting it's exciting that it's uh it's going to be coming soon it's going to be filled with fantastic stuff and i think um you and John and and everybody else on the team have been working hard at making it more than a conference. I'm excited about that. You know, these virtual conferences are okay. Uh, you get a lot of valuable information out of them, but you don't get like the networking, which is what kind of, when I go to a conference, the biggest thing out of that conference is the networking. Like my goal is to meet three to five people more than that. But I mean, meet like three to five people that I truly make a real connection with. And then I feel like we can potentially do business together. My goal also is to find, you know, passive investors, um, make a good connection with them. It gives me an opportunity to see them face to face, which is great. Shake their hand. Great. Or bump elbows, whatever we're doing right now. um, and, and on a virtual, it's really hard to do that, but I feel like you guys have done a really excellent job to make that a real possibility. Like that, people are going to actually be able to network, which is really cool, too. So,
1: yeah, it's going to be cool. So Kudos really,
0: to you, you guys.
1: The- really interactive. Yeah. I mean, you'll get, you know, our uh, people that are attending will get to you know, interact with the speakers and, and get to know them a little bit. Uh, so, just so much value. I, I recommend everybody sign up today at nreconference.com yeah
0: cool. well, I didn't mean it to make it a commercial by the way i mean that that wasn't really my intention. My intention was to you know uh just say kind of what I've been working on and what we've been working on collectively. You guys have put in way more time and effort than I probably have um but yeah uh it's been it's been exciting so let's uh let's move on to our topic today matt what what are we talking about?
1: Well, last week we talked about the day in the life of a syndicator, and today we 're going to talk about the day in the life of a house flipper and I know you flipped a good one hundred and fifty homes uh, plus a ski lodge and i've I've done a slow flip on one property myself but you're you're more of the expert certainly
0: yeah done some done some flipping in my day um so the day in the life, man, again, as I mentioned last week, it kind of depends on what stage you're in, right? So the day in the life of a flipper when they're beginning and a day in the life of a flipper after they've got experience and a team established is definitely different, right? So let's talk flipper. And I'm when I'm talking flipper, when I'm talking a syndicator, I'm talking about somebody who's committed and actually doing it. Not somebody who's just gonna maybe do one flip ever, you know. So we're talking a flipper, right? Flipper means they do more than one. If you're a, if you do just one flip or maybe one flip every couple of years, I would say you have done flips, but you're not a flipper, right? So the big difference. So, Data life flipper, man, first of all, I got to like think back right? or go, I go back in time because it's been a while since I was a beginning flipper, but it's a lot of work, uh, right? Because it's all about, everything with flipping is all about velocity, okay? So we're, we're worried about speed, right? We're worried about how quickly everything can happen from start to finish. And so there. therefore flipping is a high stress job. And I'll call it a job because that's what it is. So if you're a flipper, what you have to do, and most people know this, is you have to find that property. You have to close in the property. You have to get the financing, of course, for it, whether it's financing, whether it's private money, hard money, whatever it is. And we'll dig into some of this. And then you have to renovate it and, of course, then sell it, right? So let's talk about some of the action steps in, in there. First, first when you're first starting, you have to build relationships with wholesalers. You have to build relationships with um, uh, different you – know, you probably lenders because the lenders can provide you properties as well. So I got some properties from lenders that you have to build – Relationships with realtors, you're going to get properties from realtors and, um, you know, maybe other people in the mix. Uh, I had a hard money lender that I got some properties from, uh, I got some properties from, uh, leads, I guess, from appraisers, from inspectors, you know, so building these relationships with other people is really important. I never did the, the, the mailings but a lot of people do the mailings. I never had to do that because when I was flipping, it was the foreclosure crisis, right? So there was just a ton out there, but a lot of people especially now if you're going to be successful flipping, you're going to have to do some advertising. You're going to have to have the yellow letters, have have to put up a billboard, have to, you know, whatever it might be. You're going to have to actually do something to get these properties because they don't just fall in your lap they never did, right? You always had to do the work. Well, so, Most, when I look back at kind of my humble beginnings, um, it was spending most of my time or a large chunk of my time hounding for deals, right? I'm finding these deals. I'm hounding for deals and finally getting the deals. But then that never stops, right? You can maybe kind of go, okay, now I got to take a break for maybe a week or two. But you can't let your guard down on that, otherwise you got to start the whole train over again, right? When you get your deal flow train flowing, it takes off and it gets it's moving along. Think of a train moving along the track, right? It takes a while to get going, but once it gets up to fifty miles an hour, it's moving. But then when that you know big bear walks across the tracks or the moose walks across the tracks and it's got to hit the brakes, and it hits the brakes. It does what? It takes a while to get back moving. So if you stop your process, you know, if you stop finding hounding for deals, well, then you got to start the track the train over again, right? So there, you never you never want to do that. You can maybe let off for a while and you'll coast for a little bit, but you don't want to stop. That's really important. So. Home for deals, home for deals, home for deals. And again, that's that's what I've already mentioned. It's it's building relationships, it's writing off, it's writing a ton of offers. Um, and actually, quite frankly, it's it's very similar to multifamily. Like I, I write a hundred offers to get one deal in multifamily, you write a hundred offers to get one deal and when you're flipping, right? And and so it's it's very similar, but you need more properties when you're flipping. If you want to be a flipper and you want to do really well, well, you probably need Depending on how big you want to get, you you need anywhere between you know five properties a year to to fifty properties a year. You know, I was wanting to do fifty properties a year. So doing fifty properties a year, I got to close quite a few deals a month. I got to keep writing. We got to write a ton of offers. You can see how busy we were writing offers, hounding for deals, super busy.
1: And were so you then, doing all the work yourself?
0: Um, well, when it was first beginning, yes. You know, I, I, and I wasn't buying 50 properties at the time then. you know, I was buying five to 10 properties. Um, but yeah, I, when I was first beginning that that was mostly me and, and m- m- myself and a business partner, we were doing really everything. Um, and, and then as we got going, no, then we had other people writing offers for us. And, um, Doing some of the typically, I would do the negotiations when we would start to get serious on on deals. Um, as as we got going, we never looked at deals. We 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 would write offers sight on scene. So we we would look at a property. We would look at the pictures. We would understand the area, understand the comps, and then we would base our offer based on what the typical renovation for that square footage of a house would cost. So that would be what our So we probably missed on some deals that maybe the renovation was truly only 20,000, but we said it was going to cost us 50,000. And so we missed on some deals because of that, but we didn't have the time to run around and look physically look at, you know, a hundred deals every you know, a couple of days. So and we we would literally be writing a hundred offers every few days. So um so we just didn't have the time to do that. So we would a on scene, put these offers in, and then as we would get some negotiations going, a lot of deals would just get rejected. Some of them we'd get negotiations going, or they would verbally accept our offer, then we would send somebody out or we would go out ourselves and look at the deal. So that's kind of how we Worked out as we are growing. Um, you know the the other thing that you're well, I'm trying I'm try not to miss steps, <clears throat> and I'm probably missing steps, right? Because it's it's been a while since I did a lot of flipping. Um, but the other thing you're constantly doing is juggling the construction, right? So you've got projects going on, you've got Offers you writing, you're always juggling the construction. Even if you're only flipping five, let's say, say if you're going to flip five, three to five houses a year. Well, if you're going to flip, let's say three houses a year, you've got multiple projects going on at once, right? So you there's you're you're still trying to find a property while you're renovating. So you're still doing multiple things, right? You're not just sitting around only focusing on finding properties only focusing on renovating and only focusing on selling. You're doing three plus properties a year. You're focusing on all three of those at one time. So that, that's an, an important to understand. But yeah, so the next, you know, obviously after you find the deal, then, then you have to uh, fix the deal, right? And so your focus you're very much it has to be on how do we fix this deal? And if you're first beginning, you're probably going to be doing some of the, you might be doing some of the construction yourself you might be um, managing the whole project yourself. And even even if you're not first beginning, like we always managed our own projects because to hire a general contractor just didn't make sense. They were taking too much of the profits. We couldn't, we, there wasn't enough margin in there to, to hire out a general contractor. So we always did the general contracting ourselves. Um, so we had to manage the project. You know, when I was first beginning, I would run around and grab the materials. I uh, you know, I would physically do some of the labor. Um, man, it was crazy, some of the stuff I did. Um, you know, I, I think I've told the story before. I don't know if I've told it on this podcast or not, but running to Home Depot all the time. And I remember running back from Home Depot and, and crossing a railroad track in, in Minneapolis. And I crossed that railroad track with my car. I had Concrete bags in there, two by fours, stuff like that, and it hit that railroad track bed. And it was a, it was a, one of those, you know, pretty aggressive railroad track beds where you hit them and you, yeah, it was a good bump. Well, I hit it going full speed, you know, speed limit was over thirty miles an hour, but I was way down, and my car had been driving like that for for a long time. I was driving a Nissan Altima, and I'd load that thing to the to the top. I mean, just way more aggressively than I should. And I hit that rail track band and bam, my my car made this horrific sound, sound like something blew up in it. And then as it was and then I'm just like dragging something as I'm going and I get out and I look and my shot my shocks and you know, everything in the back end had had fallen apart essentially, broke whole thing basically the back end like busted you know, the, the I, I, the shocks and struts, like everything was, was destroyed. And so I had to limp to this auto mechanic and, you know, $1,500, $2,000. I can't remember how much it cost, but whatever it was to, to replace all that. I think I maybe had to replace the tires and everything. It was a lot of money in it. And I realized that, man, I really got to change kind of how I'm doing this business, um, and so, in any business, whether it's syndication or flipping, you come to these points where you're like, ah, you got to. I got to systematize this. I got to get a better process in place, but flipping, you really have to.
1: Hi, I'm Matt Jones. And if you're like me, you're looking to grow your real estate business while connecting with others. There's this incredible new virtual experience unlike any other. I'm talking about the North Star Real Estate Conference. It's coming to you online this October 22nd and 23rd. And it's not like one of those boring webinars you find out the time out there. No, this is going to be interactive. You're going to have the opportunity to network and grow relationships with not only the other attendees, but with the speakers as well. So you can sign up today online at nreconference.com and use the code DEX, D-E-X for $50 off. If you want to flip without, and, and you want to you,
0: if you want to create a flipping business, I'm not talking about do like three flips a year, two flips a year. If you want to create a flipping business where you're doing, you know, 20 flips or more a year, hundred flips a year you can do it. You just have to really systematize it, right? You have to have good processes in place and you have to have people. It's going to be a people intensive business. You truly do. You have to have project managers. You have to have, um, you know, you have to have people writing offers for you, negotiating offers, uh, all that kind of stuff. Because if you don't, you're not going to, you're definitely not going to be successful at it, at growing it. You might, again, you might be able to do three or five of them, but you can't do like that so um so and the, the the so so there's the construction management um side that's the day of the life flipper for sure construction management you've got to always be making sure that project is running and running smoothly uh there's typically change orders and so you're managing that at all times uh and then and then it's about the the marketing and the sale in the end. And again, you have to decide: Are you going to hire a realtor to do that? Are you going to be your own realtor? Uh, how are you going to do that? And for me, uh, I was my own realtor, but we had a team, so I didn't have to do much. I was the the realtor, and everybody else was the people that put the deal together to sell. Um, you know, so they would take pictures and do again, it depended on the stage we were in. Um, But, you know, the beginning stage, of course, I'm the one out there taking pictures. I'm the one out there putting the, the, the the listing agreement together and making sure all that or negotiating and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But as we, as we went and got bigger, that some of that stuff got delegated out. Right. Um, So that that's the next step. And, like I said, all this has to work together. So, when I look at my days back then, it was just constant. It was first of all, I was probably working like 16 hours a day. It was crazy. I was working a ton, and I didn't have time to breathe um because you, you constantly have to be doing, right? Because it's a velocity like I said, it's a velocity business. And why is it a velocity business? Well, I'm sitting on my profits. If I don't sell it, then I don't profit. And there's a lot of things that can disrupt the market. When a market's going up, time is actually on your side. But if a market starts to go sideways or down, time is your worst enemy. So you never want to be caught not going quickly because you don't know. We don't know. The market could start to shift. And, and you go, well, yeah, but you flip from what this time to this, time. Well, you, but it doesn't matter because even back, like when I was flipping, what, looking back, it was like, well, I had no worries of time. Right. It, I could have just kept these properties. I could have taken, I could have taken six years on these properties and I actually would have done really well. Right. But we didn't know that back then. Right. There At, at that time there was talks of the, the second recession. There was talks of, uh shadow inventory and all kinds of stuff. And like right now there's talks of coronavirus and what's going to happen Or There's going to be a bunch of foreclosures coming to the market. So right now, like you have to, it's all about velocity, you know, is the election going to disrupt things? I want to get my property on the market before the election. So that doesn't destroy my property value. I want to get the property on the market before, you know, the second wave of coronavirus And, and there's going to be something in the future. There's always something going on where we just don't know what the values of our properties are today and what they're going to be tomorrow. So it's all about velocity, getting your property in, getting it done and getting it listed and getting it sold. If you take your sweet time, you might lose a lot of money in the interim.
1: Yeah. So it seems like, you know, the more efficient you are, the more ways to find, you know, how to delegate things and, and the less of the day to day tasks that you do, the more successful you're going to be.
0: Yeah. And again, it, it, it comes down to what you want to ultimately achieve, but I'm talking about a, a flipping business and yeah, absolutely. If you're again, you've got to treat it like a business. And can it be ran as a business? I think it can. I think it's difficult. Flipping is a difficult business. It takes a lot of your time, but can it be run ran as an actual business? that you know where where you can take some time off, you can go places you can do things you can actually live a real life, yes, it can be it just it comes down to how much can you delegate and and how good of people you can find and that's really that's any business right but um flipping i think is is probably more than than most it's a labor intensive business it it definitely is. Now, at the same time, I enjoyed it. Like I had a lot of fun doing the flips and I got really good at them. Um, I, you know, we we got good at the business and um doing it, but ultimately I got burnt out doing it at the same time, too.
1: (laughs) There's a lot more work than the HGTV shows will you let on about flips. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, it's definitely not HGTV, right? I mean it's those are so un- unrealistic, and I, and I know a bit about um, reality TV. I mean, i um, i I'm on some reality TV for bow hunting, and it's a lot of it is is made up um, and didn't really happen. You know, we have to recreate. We have to come up with pre roll. We have to come up with post roll, and a lot of it is kind of it's fake. I mean, it's it's acting still. So HGTV, Flippy, flip this house, a lot of it's acting. Like that guy didn't really go in and destroy that wall. Like they did, but they didn't. They just did it because it would make good TV, right? They didn't need to do that. That Maybe even costed them money. Like that wall, maybe was perfectly good and they didn't need to do anything with it. Uh, you know, but they knocked it down or maybe they only needed to cut out part of a section so then they take the the sledgehammer who takes a sledgehammer by the way they take this big sledgehammer and it just makes
1: good tv it looks it looks cool like oh i want to do that i can i can be that guy let's back up a second you were on a bow hunting show what is the name of the show (laughs) i gotta check it out
0: yeah, it's it's called The Hunt with uh, Greg and Jake Miller. And, uh, yeah, I, I was on that. Here, got the DVD right here. There it is, season two, I was on that show.
1: Yeah. Nice. You just sit down with your kids and watch that sometimes?
0: Uh, not really. I mean, they've seen it, you know. But, no, I don't, like, watch myself over and over again. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun and it was a good experience. Um, time consuming, but, um, it was a good experience. It was fun.
1: Cool. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll got a, a little off topic, but, uh, any, anything we missed about, uh, day in the life of a flipper?
0: I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of, of stuff, right? There's a lot of little nuances and, uh again it all comes down to how effectively can you delegate how effectively can you put in processes and systems in, in place in order to um, in order to really be effective in order to to keep yourself from your head spinning off its spindle because man flipping is intense and like you said it's it's all about velocity whoever wins is is the one that's going the fastest, right? It it starts, it starts from getting the deal, Matt. I mean, it's always competitive. People are like, Oh, it's too competitive right now. Well, it's, it's, it's been competitive forever. Like it's always too competitive. You tell me a time when it's not too competitive, right? It's always too competitive. And so you always have to be the fastest one to put the offer in the one that can close the fastest, Right, it's again. It's all about. It starts starts from the start. It's all about velocity. If you don't get your, there was plenty of times where a property came on the market and with two within two hours it was sold, it was gone. And so if you didn't get to that property, you didn't get your offer in that one hundred percent, like the same day for sure. Like you, that property was on the market on the MLS at nine a.m. If you did not have your offer in by the business close that day there was zero chance you were going to get that property and that happened plenty of times in my day and I don't know I'm assuming it's still the same way and you better have had all cash and you better have been able to close within 2 weeks and if you couldn't forget it you're not going to get that property again you're just not going to get it so it's all about how quickly can you move yeah That's, it's a fun, it's a fun game though i mean <laughs> That's it's fun, right? That's it's fun to do. It's like you said, it's it's stressful, but it's at the same time, man, it's 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 a fun game to play. Um I I tell you what, um the, when I went from flipping to buying multifamily, um Although I really enjoy multifamily, and I I I realize that it's it's a much more sustainable long term business. Part of me misses the flipping because of the thrill of chasing the deal and the thrill of doing the deal. Uh, When I'm going from buying, you know, thirty to fifty deals a year to going to buy, you know, one to three deals a year, that's a Big difference and that drove me crazy at first. I I it was hard for me to handle that change of of velocity because multifamily is not a velocity business. There's certain parts that are velocity, but for the most part it's not. It's a long term game, right? It's a hurry up and wait game.
1: cool all right well thanks for the insight about the day in the life of a flipper and you know i'm sure there's things that we missed uh little details like you said but the gist anyway yeah
0: man yeah well that uh, and that's all that's all i have to say about it so unless you have anything more i think we're uh, a wrap right
1: i'll just mention so i uh have had that slow flip that i did it was a multi-family it was fully rented out um and you know, I, I guess I, I bought it with the, in mind that we might be going on to a recession at some point during my ownership of it. Now, I fixed it up and was renting out. It was cash flowing really nice, uh, but then I got the offer that I wanted uh, sooner than I, I was expecting, so uh, then I sold. So I had it about 10 months or so altogether, uh, but I, I didn't have the pressure to sell it right away because it was cash flowing.
0: And well, that's a and that's actually a really interesting strategy and a good strategy potentially uh, for for those who can do it right it's not for everybody because you do have to hold on to your capital for a little bit uh, but to buy property to rent it out, and then just sell it, and you don't I'm mean, ten months is actually pretty quick right, but uh, you got the right offer, like you said, but you can you can buy properties, hold on to it for a year, just put a, a tenant there for a complete year lease and then sell it and there's some tax advantages now to doing that as well because you've got long-term capital gains um, and you can potentially 1031 exchange it so there are some opportunities to do that now you also have to be careful uh, because if you are constantly doing that and it's, it's really obvious of what you're doing the IRS will look at that and say no you are a flipper you are not long-term holding these. That's not your goal. Your goal is to put a tenant in there for one year and then sell it. And and therefore we're going to dis whatever, we're not going to allow this 1031 for, to, to happen or the 1031s that you did, they're going to say, no, you have to pay the taxes on those. So you could get audited if that's your goal to do every time and potentially be in trouble for that, or maybe, get told you can't do that anymore, but that would be something you'd want to talk to your CPA about and just kind of go through, Hey, this is the strategy. And this is the reason why can I take, can I have tax advantages for doing this? And they're the ones that would probably be the best to consult you. But, but either way, that's a good strategy is to, to rent it for a year, get some cash flow, and then, uh, and then sell it. And, and maybe you buy it and don't renovate it and rent it and then renovate it. Once the tenant moves out, and then sell it, you know, so there's that option too. So lots, lots of different ways to, to, to hack it. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, um, I don't have anything else. You have a fantastic rest of the day, man.